Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christchurch Online. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series entitled Exiled, Hope in a Hostile World. Throughout the series, we will be studying the book of First Peter, in which the apostle writes to the scattered followers of Jesus throughout Asia Minor. Kicking off our series is our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. And just a quick reminder that you can get our last series, Character Sketch, in its entirety online at ccgf.org or on the Christchurch app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the fact that this is not our home. And God, on this Memorial Day weekend, I was reminded as I just was thinking and praying through some things that here I stand on this, this pedestal, this platform to speak your word as a, as a man who has had many people give their lives in different capacities, in different ways, so that I could be here standing, sharing this good news. So Lord, as believers, may we never take lightly the beauty of the time and of the place that you have placed us in. A time when we really aren't heavily persecuted. A time where we're free to speak your name. When we think that all that our forefathers in our faith and even in our country have fought and died for. May we not take lightly the privilege that we have this morning to worship you, and to speak your name. So God, we thank you for the example of Peter. We thank you that this is our temporary home. This is not, in fact, our home, God. We are, in fact, exiles, people of a different land currently residing somewhere else. And so God, for some of us this morning, that's going to be news. But we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, speak through us, in different ways, and use us to bring you glory. It's in your name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I don't think it's any secret that we're trying to create a feeling this morning of that exiledness, that feeling of, of being trapped somewhere alone. And have you ever had that feeling? I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my lives and my adventuring where we've gone caving and we've gone into these different caves miles beneath the earth and, and we've turned our headlights out and, and, and there's been nothing but this quiet, calm spirit and nothingness. And, and in that moment, I remember feeling isolated. I can think of times when I've gone to parties with friends who were people outside of the faith. And even though I'm standing in a room full of people... I remember the feeling of feeling isolated and alone. Have you ever had that moment in your life? Whether literally, physically, mentally, you have felt alone? I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about that moment in your life, whether it was when you were sitting in the doctor's office and he told you that for the first time that you have cancer. Did you feel alone? Maybe it was when you lost a loved one. Did you feel alone? Maybe it was when you were at your place of employment and you took a stand for your faith 
And now you're constantly ridiculed. Did you feel alone? Now as you open your eyes, I want you to look around. Because even in our aloneness, even as you were experiencing those emotions and those feelings, as small as it may have been in that moment, you in fact were not alone. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, you were sitting next to somebody who had those same exact feelings, who had that same similar experience. And I want to assure you this morning that if you are a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, you should feel exiled all the time. And the reason I say that is because this is not your home. We oftentimes hear people make the expression that that I had a spiritual experience, an outer body experience. Listen to me, that's incorrect. It's wrong. You are spiritual beings having a bodily experience right now in your life. This is not permanent. This is one of the most temporary moments of your existence. But it's tough. Because it's what we know now, isn't it, church? And as we're entering into this series called Exiled, over the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about what it looks like for us as exiles, displaced peoples, to first live as Christ has called us to live. When we look at the book of 1 Peter, there's really three major themes we're going to be tackling. We're going to talk about our identity in Christ. We're going to talk about what it means for us to suffer in our doing good. And we're going to talk about what it looks like for us as Christians to live. Because the truth be told, just as in Peter's day, in this very Romanesque era, in Peter's time, they were, they were very heathenistic times. There was lies, there was false gods, there was, there was all kinds of things taking place in the culture. And to be a believer in something that said differently was offensive. And today we live in a society and a culture that tells us and lies to us about the way that we are and who we should be and that you can be anything your little heart desires this way or that. It doesn't matter how you were created. And we live in a culture that perpetrates lies. And I'm going to tell you right now, God created you on purpose for a reason. And I say this with as much compassion and love in my heart. It is not your place to decide. God has called you to something that is bigger than yourself. And that's scary because we know what that means in our life. That if we live for Christ, we're going to live set apart. We're going to live differently. And that opens us up to ridicule. It opens us up to judgment. To be called hurtful names like intolerant and bigot. When there's no truth to those things at all. The enemy is lying to us in this time, and we can search 1 Peter and find so much hope because of what people in the past, our brothers and sisters, went through. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open to 1 Peter. When we look at 1 Peter, we see a church in exile. We see a church that's been scattered. Now, when we talk about Paul in the New Testament, Paul is usually the apostle that is writing to the Gentiles. Do you know who the Gentiles are? They're the Christians that aren't Jewish, okay? Because within Judaism is really where Christianity started with a group of Jews, and Peter becomes known as the apostle who really writes to the Jewish Christians. 
And what's taken place is Rome has come down on Israel and, and has persecuted the Jews. And somewhere along the line, the Roman government figured out that this Christianity or this thing they called then as the way, this movement of new believers, in fact, is not a sect of Judaism. They came to the realization that it's its own thing. And in order for them to not have another group of Jews to, to, to take care of, they figured they would snuff out this Christianity thing right from the get-go. And so Rome is pouring the pressure on the Jewish people, and Rome really begins to pour the pressure in on the Christian people. So what happens is, is it's like Rome is stepping on a wildfire, and sparks go flying all over Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey and the Middle East. So the church, because of its persecution, begins to move into different places in the region. And what takes place is absolutely beautiful because all over these different five regions that Peter talks to in this book, churches are welling up, they're popping up, they're springing up all over the place. The gospel message under persecution cannot be stopped. We're seeing that in modern day China today. And so as the gospel message is being shared, these churches are rising up. And all across the Roman Empire, the heavy hand of Nero, the heavy hand of Rome, is coming down upon the Christian people. It's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. So as the people of Israel are struggling in, in their life because they are called to be set apart, remember, God the Father chose those who were believers at the beginning of time. He bought them with the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's job is to come and to set us apart. Listen to me, church. As believers, we're not called to look the same. We are called to look different in this world. And in the Roman world, the Christians looked very different. And because of that, they were outcast to society. They were abused. They were not thought of. They were neglected. They were cast aside. But the church's job, regardless of how they're treated, was to love the people. And so the persecution continues. Paul is in Rome. Paul has defended his faith against the Roman government one time. In just a couple of years, Paul's life will be taken from him. And so as Paul is encouraging the Gentiles, Peter now finds it in his heart to reach out to the Christians, especially in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and he's trying to encourage them in their faith. He's trying to encourage them in their struggle, and he's trying to encourage them in the hope that they have in Jesus. It's dark times, but you have to remember who Peter was and is. You see, Peter, as we go throughout this series, it's important for us to remember that these are not just simply characters created for each book of the Bible. These are real people that existed throughout this time span. And Peter, if you remember, started out as this fisherman, this knucklehead. He, I always refer to him as a bag of hammers. He was just this guy who rushed into everything. He was a fisherman that was smelly and dirty. Him and his brother Andrew were hanging out by the Sea of Galilee one day when this man Jesus came walking down and said, I will make you fishers of men. Will you follow me? And they said, yes, we will follow you. In fact, Simon, as his name was then, was one of these guys that he jumped on board real quick and, and got real excited and had a really good verbal game about who he was going to be for God. If you remember, Jesus says to Simon Peter in the book of Matthew, he says, 
I will no longer call you Simon. You will be called Cephas. Your name will be Peter. Petra, it means rock. It means stone. And Jesus tells Peter, if you remember, eventually he says, you will be the rock upon which I build the church. And so Peter is this man. He loved Jesus. He was following Jesus. He was devoted to Jesus. And so he continues on. And if you remember, Peter is that same guy that when Jesus came walking out on the water, Peter was the one that said, Lord, if it is you, call me out on the water and I'll get out with you. And, And though we beat Peter up for his lack of faith, we have to remember Peter still got out of the boat. And Peter steps out onto the water in a demonstration of faith, but it wasn't until he took his eyes off of God and focused on the storm that Peter began to sink. Now, in light of the context of what we're going to be talking about, it's almost like Peter, somewhere along the line, has earned the right to talk about focusing on Jesus in the middle of a storm, literally. More than anybody else in history, he has the right to speak to that. When we think of Peter, we think of Peter as the one that when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Peter was the one who proclaimed him as the Lord of all things. He proclaimed him correctly. And and if you remember when Jesus revealed the, the depth of the plan that he would go to the cross and die, Peter said, surely, Lord, you won't go to the cross. This may not happen to you. And remember what Jesus said to him? Do you remember? He said, get behind me, Satan. So again, Peter's this this guy who loves to speak on Jesus' behalf. He's excited, he's, he's energetic, but every now and then he just needs to get put in his place. He needs to slow down. And Jesus reprimanded him, called him out on it, called out the rock. If you remember, Peter was a sleepy watchman. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Why don't you guys pray that you may not fall into temptation? I'm going to go over here and pray. And Peter falls asleep. And then as the guards come, Peter's the one that, instead of just trusting in Christ, grabs the sword from his hip, cuts off a man's ear. That's one of my favorite parts of Scripture because I can only imagine the look on the guy's face when Jesus picks it up and slaps it back on. It's all good. Get out of here. But Peter was that guy. Peter was that guy that said, surely this will not happen to you. But that evening, as Jesus was being tried, Peter would be the one with passion and anger in his heart who would verbally deny Christ three times. And for a second time, in the middle of the storm, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. Peter is the same one that Jesus asked for by name upon his resurrection. He said, go and get the disciples and tell them to come and hang out with me. I want to show them. I want to talk to them. And make sure you grab Peter in a moment of mercy, in a moment of grace. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course I do, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And he answers, yes. He reinstates Peter 
And he tells Peter of the great mission that Peter's going to have. And so Peter now in this moment has refocused his eyes on Jesus. Peter has really gone through it. He was there with Jesus through the crucifixion, through the resurrection. He has been there with Jesus in the storm. Do you think Peter's eyes are fixed on the Lord yet? Now Peter begins to put his faith before his mouth. And as part of this diaspora, this spreading of the church... Peter is now an apostle, a missionary, who goes out in the name of Jesus and spreads the gospel message. The very people that he denied Jesus to just a short time before are now the people that he's proclaiming the gospel to and leading them to the throne of grace. I don't care where you've been, church. I don't care what, how bad you think you've been. I don't care if you think you have turned your back on God. It is never too late to turn back to him. He took a bag of hammers like Peter, and upon that rock, he built the church. He built the thing that we're sitting in today. Because Peter decided to not let his past haunt him, he gave it to the Lord, and he moved forward. And in that, he saw the hardship that the churches in these regions were going through, and he wrote his letter of encouragement. But he had to say this at the beginning. Because remember, there were moments in Peter's life where he took his eyes off of Jesus. And so the first thing he does in the book of 1 Peter is he reminds them of the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. And so today, as we're preaching, as we're learning, I want to say this to you, to Christians. Do you remember the feeling of hope that you had when you first gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember the courage and the strength that was welled up inside of you? Because maybe you've been going through some things. I want to say this to you. That faith, that hope, that awesomeness is still there. In 1 Peter 1, 1, it says, to God's elect, and again, God's elect, referring to the fact that God knew before the beginning of the world that he was going to pick you to be one of his. Strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to their foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Do you catch that? He's talking about the Trinity. God the Father foreknew that He was going to choose you. He bought you with the price of Jesus' blood and He is now setting you apart with the Holy Spirit. He's reminding the people with this very interesting greeting that their hope is in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're going through this morning, Christian. But your hope lies in the fact that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, and the Holy Spirit wants to work in you. Do you remember that? Or are you focused on your storm? It continues on to say, Praise be to God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He's telling the people in this moment, I don't know what you're going through. You are experiencing hardships, but remember... 
Above all else, you have the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so as Peter's writing to these people, he's trying to remind them of that foundation. And as we go through this series talking about being exiled, it's important for us to start with this very thing. Salvation comes from Christ alone. And because of sin, sin has separated us from God. And when we live in a culture that embraces sin, that embraces brokenness, when we come into the culture saying, you're not good, you're not okay, that is offensive to people. You as Christians should be satisfied with the fact you're going to offend people for the rest of your life. But let me ask you a question. Is it not unloving to have the solution to a problem and to not give it to somebody? I I always tell my students coming through youth ministry that true love is telling someone when their breath stinks. Nobody wants to hear it. You're always offended when you first do. But everybody puts a breath mint in their mouth and they fix the problem, amen? How as people of God can we say we're people of love if we have the solution to the problem, to the cancer of this world, and we don't tell people about it? Did God not entrust that hope into us? Our hope is not in money. Our hope is not in things of this earth. Our hope is in who Jesus Christ is. It's in who God the Father is. It's in what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And our reward is to finally get to go to a place that is going to feel like home. Because it is home. And that's heaven. Are you catching that, church? So as Paul, or excuse me, as Peter's writing to these people and he's saying these things, he's reminding them of the hope they have in Jesus Christ. So listen to me. As the band comes, maybe you're sitting out there this morning as a Christian and you, your hope has waned and your, your, your whatever passion has faded. I was blessed this past Friday. I was here at the Silver Ring Thing banquet and Denny Patton made a statement. He said that, The world is in this chaos, it's it's in this destructive mode where it's telling us lies and things like that, and the Christians simply aren't going out and spreading the gospel message. And he simply asked the question of everybody who was there, he said, who of you is going? And that struck me in the heart. Because if we believe what Peter's saying here, that our hope lies in Jesus, Christian, listen to me. This is not just simply a place for bake sales and fellowships. This is a place for equipping ourselves to go out and in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ that you don't have to live as a slave to the brokenness and hurt of this world. That God can set you free. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live to the lies of this society. And unless we go, church... Who's going to tell them? Is it our job to play God, as Ed Glover once said, and to control who we share the gospel with or not? It doesn't matter what we're going through because God is with us. And he's commanded us to go in his name and to spread the gospel message that God loves you and he'll pay the ultimate price for your soul and he's not just going to abandon you there. He will equip you and go with you as you carry that message forward. Come hell or high water, God is with us.
He did not bring you to this place to simply hear a message and hit like on Facebook. He brought you here to take what you read in this word, not my words, but God's words. To the people in the world who are hurting and in love, speak truth into their life. If you're a believer in this room this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. I'm going to ask you to pray that God would convict your heart of who you're supposed to share this message with this week. And I'm going to ask you to also pray because in this room there are people who are hurting who do not have a hope in Jesus. There's those of you out there right now, you're confused and you feel like you're on one of these islands. You feel isolated. You feel like you just can't wrap your head around where you fit or where you belong. Listen to me. God loves you. In the beginning of time, God created Adam and Eve and he created them in this perfect way. And the deceiver Satan came in and he tricked them and he lied to them and they broke their covenant with God and they sinned. You see, and because of that, the goodness of God and the evil of sin forever separated. Man was separated from God because of our disobedience. But you see, God loves us so much that he didn't let the story end there. He provided a way so that you could be restored, so that you could be fixed, so that those broken things in your life can be corrected and mended. And it's not just sometimes going to happen overnight. But God wants to heal your heart. He wants to fix you to be what he created you to be. And when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, there was a debt that was owed. That debt of sin, you owed it. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took your bill and he paid it in full. And you don't owe him a thing for that. All he asks is that you follow him. Just like he said to Simon Peter, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. God desires a relationship with you this morning. He wants to take the broken, the hurt, the pain out of your life. And your your life may not be a, 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 a bed of roses after that, but it'll be good. And God will set you free from the fear, the pain, and the sorrow. Church, we need to be reaching out to those who need that hope because they're lost. We need to be the search plane seeking the islands for those people who are isolated. And we need to invite them to join us as exiles, foreigners, in a place that is not our home. Listen, if you're one of those people out there and you would like to have a relationship with Jesus and you don't know what that means, but you know you can't stay where you are, There's going to be some people up here after the service to pray. Pastor Jared, I'm going to ask Mike Davis to come up as well. And I want you to come forward and simply ask them what that means. Ask them to pray for you. There's going to be people to my right and to my left as well. But the Bible tells us that unless you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, there's no salvation for you. Confess that He is Lord. And watch as the Lord does something amazing. Exiles, we have a mission and we have a hope.
And with that, nothing can stop us. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for who you are and what you do. And we pray, God, this morning that you would speak to our hearts and for those of us who know you and remind us and encourage us of our mission. Remind us and encourage us, God, that you love us. Remind us and encourage us that we are going to feel like outsiders. That's okay. And so, Lord, we commit these things to you and for those who are perhaps going to pray a prayer here in a moment for the first time to receive you. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them as they ask for the forgiveness of their sins. We pray, Lord, that you would show up for them in a mighty way. We thank you for the message of 1 Peter. And we look forward to what you're going to teach us and what you're going to speak to us. And all of God's people said it.